0: hey everybody brad stevens here founder and ceo of outsource access we help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the philippines congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 real leaders impact awards we are proud to be among you about 10 years ago i woke up to a major growth problem in my last business cash was tight staff was overwhelmed and tasks were not getting done then i discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the philippines where english is their second language so there is no communication or culture gap I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50,000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit redefinescale.com. That's redefinescale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, She sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit RedefineScale.com. Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola,
1: real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh real and loaded with inspiration guaranteed to support your impact journey so sit back enjoy the listen folks share a review afterward and always keep it real two and one and welcome everyone to this episode of the real leaders podcast i'm your host kevin Edwards. joining us today folks we got the ceo of hope for haiti please welcome Mr. Skyler Badenoch. Skylar, how are you doing today? I'm great, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Great to have another fellow wildcat on the show here today. We gotta to represent wherever we are out there. Bear down. Fair down. Skyler, um like basketball, the season is long. There's a lot of ups and downs, and you gotta to stick together as a unit. I want you to share real briefly on the show about some of those lulls, some of those downs that you've had. As a leader in the organization, what comes to mind when I ask you that question? What resonates
2: with you? Yeah, you know, one of the things that resonates with me, those lulls, sometimes they happen after incredible hives, um, after a big event that we just blew out of the park, after we get a huge multi year million dollar donation, after our team, you know, crushes one of our programmatic goals and there's there's this high that happens and i think what what can often happen after those highs is just a natural low because you're Mm -hmm. you're coming off something that's just exciting it's it's um extraordinary and so i think those lows are natural to occur in individuals and teams and organizations and um i definitely think there's some things you can do uh to combat them to get back into more of a a high plateau, but uh, the lows are the lows can be real.
1: And and let's talk about that because I think what we're talking about here is as actually growth, right? Growth mm. as individuals, growth as a company. There's not it's not just always a straight line up. It's a lot of ups and downs along the way. Um, looking back to the past five years, Skylar, what mm. have been some of the core factors that have led your team to
2: growth? Yeah, I think it starts Well, there's, there's two main things. One is our ability to make impact in one of the most challenging countries in the world, Haiti. Um, our ability to improve access to healthcare, improve quality of education for children, improve access to water, sanitation, hygiene, improve economic opportunity. Um, and it really starts with that. Um, but you know what? That also allows us to fundraise in a position of strength um and and convince donors that we are worthy of their investment in their philanthropic dollars and so over the last five years we've been driven by those two things our ability to get things done and do what we do uh, build schools run healthcare facilities provide access to education and healthcare but we've also been able to connect with major donors we've been able to connect with individual donors who are you know willing to give us 10 20, 30 50 dollars every single month to support our work in Haiti and 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 that's driven our growth and then lastly, I would say diversification diversification of, of revenue uh, and our ability to not just rest on a few big donors' generosity but go out there and find new innovative ways to fundraise so that we can go out and do the work that we do in Haiti.
1: And and help me like just bring me into your world a little bit, Scott. Like, what are those key, as we say, KPIs or metrics that uh, you've either developed or something that has been bestowed on the organization that you want to make sure you're tracking
2: uh, over time? Yeah, well, we have a lot of different types of metrics. So we have programmatic metrics, we have financial metrics, we have HR metrics, we have fundraising metrics, and so we we. We don't just look at it as, you know, are we serving 100,000 people every year at our healthcare facility? That's one of our big key performance indicators, but we're also looking at, you know, how do we, in parallel, raise the money and the resources from a collective group of individuals, corporations, foundations, revenue from special events. So we're looking at those metrics as well. We're looking at, you know, in a fundraising from a fundraising perspective, we're looking at, donor retention, we're looking at a donor diversity, we're looking at average gift size, uh, we're looking at the number of gifts, uh, because all that information is important to, to understand how we want to forecast for the future. Um, programmatically, we're always trying to find new creative ways to um, increase our impact. You know, last over the last five years, we've got increasingly um, more involved in partnerships that involve cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. We partnered with Coinbase and um, an organization, a a cryptocurrency company called Cello Foundation and another provider called Umoja to provide access to digital cash transfers to 300 mothers in a nutrition program. And so, you know, that allows us to, um, those types of programs allow us to Mm -hmm. measure to evaluate and then scale up our innovation. And that's been, I think that's been one of the key factors in our growth is that we've been able to innovate. We've been able to put resources towards things that we think, you know, we have a strong hypothesis around and then test it and then make that hypothesis stronger uh, over time. And and Skylar, what's,
1: what's the current thinking coming from you as kind of the, the skipper, the person who is at the helm of the company. You're off. You're obviously thinking about the future. You're probably two, maybe five years ahead of most of the folks in the company. What is the current thinking coming from you?
2: Well, I think there's three things that are always going to drive our organization. Uh, The first is governance and leadership. And what I mean by that is, you know, people oftentimes think of the CEO as the leader. Right. But I've I've really rejected that mentality because of the leadership required to run our organization. In my mind, everybody in our organization is a leader. We just have different responsibilities and the CEO has responsibilities. But but so does the doctor and so does the nurse who run our programs. I have not I have very little to do with that kind of lead that that leadership, except for helping empower and drive the resources so that those leaders can do their their work. Um, and so I think that's that's first and foremost. Um, I think the second thing is collaboration. Um, everything that we do at Hope for Haiti, we collaborate. That's one of our core values. We collaborate with each other. We collaborate with other organizations. And what we found is that when done right, collaboration can lead to exponential growth, both in terms of impact for an organization like ours that's working to as a public benefit corporation, and also in terms of um, just being able to, uh, to raise more resources. And then the last thing is asset-based. It's really asset-based development. That's a technical term in my field, international development. But we work in poverty alleviation, but I will tell you, we never approach any of our work thinking that people do not have anything, that people are too poor to do anything. That's just not our mentality. In fact, there is so much dignity and there is more wealth than uh, many people understand in economically uh, impoverished places that have cultural wealth that have uh, strong cultural bonds that have hard-working uh, people and so we approach our work with this asset-based approach which is uh, asking the question what do people have what do we have what are our strengths uh, what are our opportunities and and really uh no matter where you are in the world strengths and opportunities exist. And so we approach that as an organization. We approach our work as an organization with that in
1: mind. Skylar, it seems like the word impact in leadership and I almost would say money are almost interchangeable in in a lot of things that you just said and mentioned there. How do you define impact and what is the impact
2: you're trying to make? Well, overall, our impact is to alleviate poverty. Um, We believe that's a problem and poverty causes a lot of Social and economic issues that not only affect local populations but they affect the world um, and they they there have there's there's numerous cases that prove that poverty in one area can affect uh, livelihoods in another area and so first and foremost, our organization is about helping alleviate poverty, and we are working together with others to to fight extreme poverty and how we do that is by improving access to education. We know that education is the backbone of social and economic development. We also focus on healthcare because we know that you just, like uh, if you wanna fight poverty, you can't do it unilaterally. You have to take a comprehensive approach. And so healthcare is a big determining factor. Access to healthcare is a determining factor of, of how people are able to lift themselves out of poverty and be more resilient. And during challenging times. And then, um, and then lastly, we focus on things like clean water and economic opportunity because we've done the research and we know that almost dollar for dollar, it's one of the easiest ways to lift people out of poverty is to help them access clean water and sanitation. Um, and then, of course, economic opportunity is such a major determinant of. People's ability to pull themselves out of poverty, invest in their own education and healthcare, and so we focus on those four things.
1: And, and those four things are so interconnected. Is there is there like a main priority or focus? Because obviously, you know, poverty can affect your uh, accessibility to healthcare. Poverty can also affect and impact your ability to get clean drinking water. Um, clean drinking water can affect your education and results if you uh, are well nourished. Um, you know, what is the thinking uh, in terms of where you start um, and what you prioritize in your organization?
2: Yeah. So the thinking for us is that you have to do it all at once. And we've been testing this model, this comprehensive and holistic model for development. And we've also been studying it and doing a pretty in-depth analysis. We were working with three partner communities to really study the impact of poverty and the likelihood of poverty. And in those communities, and what we found was that the likelihood of poverty was pretty significantly high in 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 relation to other poverty rates in the country. Um, But what we've also found is that through investments in education, healthcare, access to clean water and economic opportunity over a five year period, we've seen 20 percent reductions in the likelihood of poverty. What's interesting about that in the context of Haiti is that as we continue those studies further, we found that poverty rates spiked when there were natural disasters um, and the likelihood of poverty spiked because people lost their homes, people lost their crops, people lost their livelihoods. So then we saw decreases in the likelihood of poverty. But the interesting, the interesting um, thing to note there is this resilience factor. It's how quickly can communities, how quickly can individuals, families, and communities bounce back from natural disasters, given their level of education, given their level of public healthcare knowledge, given their level of access to clean water. And that's, that's, that's proven our hypothesis that you not only are going to help people lift themselves out of poverty, but you're gonna help create more resilient communities. I like
1: your thinking on resilience, impact, but also um, how how you're empowering other leaders within the organization. What are the few traits or, um, I guess, intentions or focuses on leadership that you have as an organization to make sure that you're enabling other leaders, you're empowering them, and you're giving them the tools
2: um, to make their own responsible decisions? The first one to me is a big one, and that's autonomous leadership um when i joined uh hope for haiti 6 years ago um i came in as a new ceo and and my intention was to um collaborate build consensus and and understand uh where my colleagues were in their journey in their professional journey and it opened my eyes to this idea that leadership is everywhere and a lot of times my role was to facilitate others in their leadership journey uh, and i embrace that i i embrace that and and when you facilitate others in their leadership journey i think you have to embrace providing people with the autonomy to achieve mutual agreed upon goals and objectives and so we get together and we talk about like these are the goals these are the objectives for the year or the next three years but then We talk about who's going to own those, you know, getting us to reach those goals, and it's not always going to be me, and and, and, and oftentimes it's not. It's, you know, our our CFO, it's our Chief Development Officer, it's our Chief Operating Officer, it's our Chief Program Officer. They're really driving those programs, And, and in order to be successful, I believe they need the autonomy to do their work. And, and and as long as we're moving towards shared goals and ideals, then I think that's that to me is a is a leadership style that works for Hope for Haiti, and it has worked over the last five years. Um, the second thing that I think is really important for anybody working within our organization, we talk about this a lot, is that there's personal and professional growth. Um, and again, this is specific to Hope for Haiti, but for every single person who is on our team, uh, I want two things. I want people to feel like they are growing professionally and that they're growing personally, that they're they're improving who they are as people um, and that their work at Hope for Haiti is rewarding, that they're compensated fairly, that they feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And what I've experienced is that leads to tremendous outcomes. It also leads to low turnover. We've been very fortunate. You know, We had our board meeting last Friday, we're sitting around the board table and you know, we had our team in from Haiti, we had our team in from the United States and we're going around the table introducing everybody and how long they've been with the organization. And it was like six years, eight years, nine years, 13 years. And when you have that kind of dedication and that kind of institutional memory, special things happen. When you have people who've been in an organization for two years and then they, they go off to something else, kind of a wash kevin i mean it's it's really it's kind of a wash it's not um it to me it's just not a great way to to um to to build and grow an organization you know one of my colleagues just celebrated her fifth work anniversary yesterday and i texted her i said you know happy five years and she's like this has been an awesome journey and it has been and i've seen her grow i've seen her get promoted i've seen her um steward hundred six-figure donations that ultimately end up helping improve the quality of life of people in haiti and that's meaningful to us
1: you know what comes to mind skylar is getting people to see their vision within your vision as a company Um, as an organization uh, obviously you want to have a meaningful impact in the world but to you skylar like what makes a good vision and what makes a vision gain traction
2: I think for us, you have to have a clear vision, and it's and what I love about it. It's not my vision; it's our vision. Like we came up with it uh, many years ago, and our vision is for Haiti: is joyful families, healthy um, children. Sorry, <laughs> our our vision is joyful children, healthy families, thriving communities, and the resources to make it so. And that's our stated vision. So I, I think it has to be clear um, that everything we do including our mission, including the core values that we try to live up to, uh, that will, they will fit into that vision, that we could say, you know, if we do these things, if we act a certain way, uh, it, it will move us that one step closer to achieving our vision. So um, to me, it's important that the vision is clear. It's important that the vision is shared. Uh, we collaborated and, and agreed upon this vision, and then we use it. And we we talk about it, and um, you know we exemplify it through our work and what we do.
1: Scott, it's been a pleasure having you on the Realers podcast today. I learned a lot. Let's bring this home. In all of this, what is your definition
2: of a real leader? Well, my definition of a real leader is somebody who uses experience and core values to act and to improve. The quality of life for others, the organization that they work for, uh, their family, and themselves.
1: Well put, for Skylar Badmock, I'm Kevin Eller is asking you to go out there, use your values, and act upon them. And I always, folks, so. keep it right. Thanks, Scott. Hey leaders! thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to Releaders.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you're going to be able to access all of our magazines. Courses and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.